Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers patron and get access to a bunch of other stuff when you sign up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the shadow roads are always there, always waiting for us to enter, always waiting to enter us. So enjoy the daylight. Also, enjoy some reviews, the news of the day, the amazing insights and back and forth banner that makes the Major Spoilers Podcast the place to be. If this is your first show, welcome. It's your 844th. Thanks for sticking around. But no matter how many are under your belt, the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 884 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to us this week. Sorry about last week. We just had a bunch of scheduling conflicts and a bunch of uh, uh, prior commitments and medical things going on. Uh, so we weren't able to do the show last week. But to make it up to you, if you are a Major Spoilers patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers, you have about an hour of pre-show content just waiting yeah. for you. Caution, there may be some uh, lower intestine talk going on. Also, we, to make it up to you, it also, yeah, we interviewed M Matthew's lower intestine. Yes. How's it going down there? Also, to make it up to you, we have decided to bring one Jason Inman onto the show this week to uh, to join us and talk about all things Hollywood with Jason Inman. Jason, how are you? Great. Uh, thanks again for having me on the uh, show. Anytime I get to invade your guys' show, oh. I just I'm, I'm immediately sent back to 2008 when I was <laughs> delivering automotive paint in a truck around Oklahoma and I was listening to your guys' Watchmen episode from the way, way back. Oh, man. And now look at you. You have you have uh, exceeded us by leaps and bounds with all the cool things. I mean, Major I know, Spoilers... I I'm selling twice the amount of paint. Major Spoilers <laughs> has been around for 14 years. This show has been on for like 10, 11, 12 years and never once, never once have we gotten a mention in The Hollywood Reporter. This week, a big week for Jason and Ashley, because go check it out on Major Spoilers website, Jupiter Jet and the uh, the uh, lost. What is it? The lost radio. I keep forgetting the what forgotten the, uh, radio. the forgotten radio uh, got a big write up in The Hollywood Reporter this week. Yes, uh, it was. Turns out we're the hottest entertainment news around. <laughs> oh, nice. take that. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think the cool thing about it is. It is literally the week before it's this week. The week of the show is the week of Comic-Con. I think that story dropped one on Friday of last week. So literally the week before Comic-Con, the big comic book news on the Hollywood Reporter is not that, hey, all these things have been canceled, but it's like, hey, look at Jupiter Jet. Look at what these two these uh, two kids are doing uh, with the comic books. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I'm. it's pretty awesome to have Baby's first article in Hollywood Reporter. And it's pretty cool <laughs> that they... They want to talk about our little jetpack girl because she's coming back in October because that was the whole point of the Hollywood Reporter article is because we can finally announce that Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio is going to hit comic book stores on October 7th and then nice. bookstores on October 20th, I believe. I don't know, man. Yes. But go get at your comic book stores first. Uh, and it's pretty cool. We're really proud of it. And uh, it's just, man, I'll, I'll just tell you what, when, when Ashley first told me I want to write a comic book about a person named Jupiter Jet, I never thought we would do 
uh, actual page. I never thought it would get past that point. So the fact that we've just now made the sequel is pretty astounding. And the fact that both of these were Kickstarter projects that were fully funded. And yeah. uh, you were able to find it, not only go through the Kickstarter and get uh, Kickstarter, um, you know, deliverables to everyone, or at least the the Forgotten Radio is uh, now going out to people uh, who with the Kickstarter. But the fact that there is a comic book publisher that was interested in getting this out to everyone as well. Um, you guys, I, I mean, when are you guys going to do your own? Um, what is it? Uh, uh, session where you tell people, here's what you need to do to have a successful comic book run through Kickstarter. You guys need to charge like a hundred bucks. Oh, uh, you mean like do the Skillshare kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you guys should do that. Here's everything you need to do. Here's everything you need to think about. We've had multiple, multiple, not just the two Jupiter Jet stuff, but multiple Kickstarters that have succeeded. Here's what we learned. Here's what we're sharing with you. It's only going to cost you a hundred bucks a piece payable to, uh, to Jawan Entertainment. And uh, and get one of those uh, things going on like uh, Alex Segura does with his uh, with his writing thing. Well, that's not a bad idea, Stephen. How much of a percentage do you want? <laughs> I, I mean, I'll I'll take I'll take two percent. Okay. All right. Right now you get zero. It's because two percent of nothing is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but well, your check will be in the mail very soon. All right. Cool. Uh, just make that happen. I think a lot of people would be very interested in that. No, I especially, think it's a great idea. I, I never thought of that. To be no, honest I, especially in this day and age where and I, I forget who I was uh, looking. It may have been John uh, Kavalik or maybe it was Greg Pack or Pac. Um, Somebody in the last two weeks was like, hey, look, uh, I know that comic books are starting to come back around, but. There are a lot of publishers that are still not bringing everyone back who was working before. And so you're going to find a lot of indie or uh, yeah, indie creators or uh, people who aren't signed with the big publishers uh, looking to go to Patreon or Kickstarter for their own projects, because this is the best time for them to do that. And I know that there's probably a lot of people out there who are thinking, yeah, now is the best time for me to try to do this if I want to. And I know that there's other people that are talking about why this might be a good idea or a bad idea, but there are Kickstarters that are funding right now during the middle of this pandemic. And I know that there's probably people out there who need that help. You, you might have some mainstream creators who have always worked under the, uh, you know, extant system that are now having to potentially go to Kickstarter. So there's, there's a need across the industry for, uh, you know, people that have done this and can basically reproduce this knowledge for people that are new mm -hmm. i will i will say um you know in terms of like checking in with people over this entire pandemic quarantine there are some big big name comic book creators that have only worked their entire career at the uh dc and marvel mm -hmm. that have told me personally that they are now considering kickstarters and even creator owned books for the very first yeah. time in their own career yeah absolutely that's what i need you, you're gonna you're gonna there are guys out there who still need a paycheck that started writing comics in like the 70s who are probably going to want a kickstarter yeah and there are certain people that work for a certain publisher who have and they've decided you know what and now that my contract is up, I'm no longer doing any work with that publisher. What else can I do? And Very so fair. Kickstarter may be the place to go to. And so uh, now's the time. Capitalize on this, Jason, in your infinite free time. You keep selling me on this golden pyramid, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and the, the thing is, so I've presented you an idea. I'm only taking 2%. And you guys can go, you know, take all the other 98%. Then you need to go out and find some, some uh, up-and-comers uh, that you can say, hey, here's an idea for you to go out and now pitch. And then you, Jason, only take 
and then they keep the rest and then they have to go and find other people that will also buy into this uh, into this market and they all get to keep the two percent. And then it filters all the way up. Newcomer is too long. (laughs) Let's just let's just make up a name. Let's say Mark. Okay, Mark. Mark. Good. Yeah, this is starting to sound suspiciously like Beachbody to me. <laughs> yeah, do you guys ever watch uh, Happy Days? Because I was a big fan of Ponzi on the Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, I take him over Chachi. Uh, you know, when push comes to shove. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't nowadays. think I don't think Joni loves Chachi anymore. No, no. Well, I mean, <laughs> Joni yeah. could always do better. Let's be real. Yes, yes, yes. She could. Yes, Joni she could. loves Ponzi. Because, oh, you know, ten out of ten would have watched. <laughs> Welcome to Happy Days Quarter. <laughs> Happy Days, a spinoff of Love American Style. True. Uh, also uh, spinning out of Love American Style uh, by Proxy, uh, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy. Um, what else came out of Love ha- American homicide, Style? Life on homicide, homicide, <laughs> Life on the Streets. Homicide, Life on the Streets, yes. Carmine had his own spinoff for like uh, one episode. Yeah, for a, for a, hot, for a hot minute. Second and a half. Yeah, yeah. the Karate Kid spun out of uh, Happy Days. Yeah. Karate Kid, yeah. Uh, the the entire Vaseline Empire. I yeah, know, uh, Charles in Charge. Of, yeah, uh, Charlton Heston's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Planet of the Apes is actually a spinoff of Mork and Mindy. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, yeah, r- really weird. Uh, uh, yeah, that's so Raven is a spinoff <laughs> so, of a spinoff of a spinoff. Jason, so uh, are you guys currently right now working on another Jupiter Jet book? Is that anything that you're announcing now, or is this something that you are literally are too busy doing other things? Uh, currently, I'm working on some just pilots that I, you know, for hopefully to sell to the Hollywood people. But other than that, um, I'm working on another comic called uh, super best friend that I'm hoping to take to Kickstarter later this year. Nice. But uh, Ashley and I actually have, we know what Jupiter jet three and Jupiter jet four and Jupiter jet five is. And there's a pretty detailed outline for Jupiter jet three. Um, and I, we don't know when, but uh, I would say, um, Probably early next year, you might hear some more about that. And I also, and again, um, Ashley, jump jump in, but I know this one is more specifically for for, for Jason. You also did um, your soldiers book um, a while ago. Yeah, super and, soldiers, super soldiers, and you're working on a follow up to that one as well. Uh, no, but everybody wants me to do a follow up oh, okay. to it. I thought I saw you I something on I, I, Instagram or Twitter where you were like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm thinking of another book along the same lines." Oh no 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 no! I was thinking about. Um, so in Super Soldiers, I kind of put a lot of stuff about like my time in Iraq mm-hmm. and my military career. And I had a lot of people ask me for like, hey, let's get that book. And I, I had been considering turning it into a graphic novel for a long time. And I had an artist drop out of me. So now I think I might be going back to that. But r- currently my head is like very much into writing pilots that that I keep mailing to Warner brothers or Disney in the hopes that they will make the show. Ah, okay. So, so but let me, okay. So let's ask this. You guys get in the Hollywood reporter and I know both, both of your parents are all like ecstatic, happy <laughs> local kids I had make to good. I explained to my mother what the Hollywood reporter was when I sent her the <laughs> link. <laughs> uh, but local kid makes good. Uh, everybody in, in Kansas is super happy for Jason and in all throughout Canada, people are rejoicing tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm curious because this has never happened to, uh, to me, uh, you know, I've, I've been in some trade magazines and other things like that, but not like big industry worldwide book. What happens? Does, does your phone start ringing after the article goes live? Do you have, uh, people calling up and congratulating you that you're in the Hollywood reporter? 
Uh, is there now, I know it's only been a few days, but uh, your agents, are they contacting you and said, Hey, uh, people are interested in taking Jupiter jet beyond just comic books or, or, or what happens at this point? What is, what is feedback like after you guys appear in the Hollywood reporter? Uh, so the kind version of this answer is that, uh, a whole bunch of people reach out and say, that's really, really cool. Uh, the snotty version of this answer is the people who are only happy for you when you are useful to them mm. suddenly text you for the first time in 2020 and say, boy, I'm proud of you. And I always knew you'd make good kids. <laughs> and I had a garage in Muskogee, Oklahoma, say that I owed them a gallon of hot rod yellow from 2007. <laughs> and they, they found, found me because of that article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh, literally, there's nobody's no, there's no big Netflix or Nickelodeon or somebody going, hey, we need to uh, start making some phone calls to see what we can do about nabbing this for yeah. an animated series or something like that. Or do you Get are you just happy about being you could this? Have five episodes in the next four years. <laughs> not not yeah, we could be sock canceled every season, just like Cora. Oh, <laughs> man. Not not currently, but that's the hope. Like, that's the thing, you know. They always say that, um, you know, um, buzz begets buzz. Right. So I'm hoping that this just leads to more. And now that you have this, I don't want, I don't want to say it's an in, uh, with Hollywood reporter, but, uh, whoever did the piece for you kind of knows who you are. Um, is there like follow-up stuff now where you can start dropping some stuff and say, Hey, here's this next thing. Maybe this is newsworthy to you guys. Or, I mean, you, maybe you guys have I mean, a publicist that's, already. That's certainly the hope. That's your publicist. That's in charge of that. Yeah, the, well, that generally leads to um, because once you open that Hollywood Reporter door, um, other sites will be like, oh, oh, OK. Like other sites that wouldn't have picked up your article that aren't of that status right. uh, will be like, oh, well, we'll pick you up because of that. Yeah, yeah I yeah. won't name names, but some sites that we've been trying to get coverage on for literal years uh, wrote about us, which is really cool and gratifying, but also frustrating because you're like, I've been emailing you for literal years. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that. So, you know, from a behind the scenes for people that want some behind the scenes stuff. Um, and I'm not saying Ashley is doing is like this because Ashley's emails are always full of joy and useful information. Uh, but there are <laughs> other people that email me that say, hey, we've got a comic book coming up or, you know, can you write about this and can you get a story up about this? Or we'd love to be on your show. And they tell me nothing about their project except maybe the title. And I get those for geek history lesson all the time. Yeah. And we are not a review show. We're not well, an interview and I, podcast. And I, yeah, I, I mean, don't we have people on, but yeah. And we have people on here too. Jason is here all the time. Um, or Hello. he will be in the future. Hi, Jason. Uh, but you know, we've got other shows in the major spoilers podcast network that if someone's wanting to do an interview, I will usually pass him off over to Wayne so that he can do an interview for the, uh, Wayne's comics podcast. Um, but I think honestly, if you're trying to reach out to, to people, and I'm not saying you're doing this, Ashley, I'm saying other people who are listening, trying to glean some important information before, uh, Ashley and Jason's seminar launches hundred dollars a piece. Um, you need to write a really good letter and provide as much information as you can in a short amount of space, you don't want to, I've also gotten stuff that someone has sent me 15 paragraphs pitching me their, their comic book that's launching in Kickstarter in October. And I'm just like, trash. It's too long. You TLDR. You also have to uh, make it evident that you actually know who you're writing to, that this oh, is not just a man. command C, command V. And a lot of that information <laughs> can be copied and pasted because you are trying to disseminate yes. a lot of the same information. The, but but yeah. a generic email <laughs> that could be applied to anyone is not going to get you anywhere because if you are not putting an investment in the outlet that is covering you and the types of content that they curate, how can you expect them to invest in your brand in return? The best piece of advice I would give to anybody 
that is in our position that is like, oh, I want to get more press coverage is, yeah, one is you have to tailor that email to that person. Two, you have to, I would say, pitch yourself to them to be like, oh, you could do an article about this. Mm -hmm. We haven't given it to anybody else. Mm -hmm. You could do an article about this. We haven't given anybody else. But I will say third, the only unsolicited, the only completely unsolicited guest that we've ever allowed onto Geek History Lesson happened because their publicist emailed us and said, I'm a big fan of your show. My client has this book. Um, here's four pitches for episodes that I think would fit your brand that my guest is an expert on. Mm -hmm. And immediately we're like, oh, yeah, your guest is on the show. 100%. Yeah, I and literally that to be a really good episode. Yeah, it was a great episode. <laughs> literally in the last two weeks, I received an email uh, to our submission account. And it was, hello, not the major spoilers website, but somebody else's website. And then they, oh, you know, copied boy. and pasted everything. And I read it and I was like, well, if you can't, you know, even figure out who you're writing to, this isn't, I'm not even reading past the, the opening. And it just went straight into the delete. And then a day later, the person did the reply resend where, you know, it's, it's CC back to you. And the person said, oh, obviously I had, was copying, pasting this to a bunch of other people's sites and I didn't change the, uh, the title to you. Sorry. And it's just like, well, it's too late now. Cause I've already deleted your, your email and I'm not reading it. So you need to make sure if you are reaching out, if you're a new comic creator or somebody that's trying to get an interview or trying to get featured on a website or whatever, um, first of all, read their FAQ because we have an FAQ on our site that specifically tells you whether we accept review copies or not and how to send them to us. Uh, number two, make sure you are, as, as Jason and Ashley said, make sure you're crafting it to the individual. Make sure you're familiar with their site because I, I'm getting from this book publisher these really weird books, not like not like strange books, like Dr. Strange type books, but like really weird kind of out there self-help books. Oh, we like think books this... with eyes in them. And if you open them up, a portal to medieval times will maybe, happen. Maybe, although okay. medieval times might be, I, I wouldn't go there right now with pandemic or not. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's just these really weird things saying, oh, like we think that this book is a perfect fit for your site, man. And it's just like, no, you don't even know what our site is. So a little bit of that. I, I mean, if, if people are wanting to reach out and get their stuff featured on the site, uh, go and read our FAQ and I'll be more than yes. happy if you're following those instructions to try to get your comic book to our reviewers. Again, it's up to them to decide whether they want to review it or not. Um, and if you have a well written piece that includes preview images, that includes information about what you're trying to get the word out about, I'll be happy to, to try to share that information. But if it's just like, Hey man, we got a Kickstarter coming out on the 15th. How about you write a story about our Kickstarter? It's probably not going to happen. Were you going to say something, Rodrigo? I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's the it's the modern uh, sort of balancing act of um, trying to make connections while also not completely exhausting yourself with everything you send out. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, copy and paste what you can, but try to give it the personal touch. Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, so Jupiter Jet Forgotten Radio, you said it comes out in October. October 7th. When do people have to get this ordered? Um, well, it's not currently in previews yet. It'll be in the next issue of previews that comes out, this but week, it is orderable through diamond. Uh, uh -huh. we do have a diamond code, but it, you know, like if I say it on the podcast, it's just very long and complicated, but, uh, you it, can pre-order it. Uh, if you go to jupiterjetcomic.com, that will link you back to the Kickstarter for this. There is a pre-order button on there. And if you pre-order it there, uh, Jason and I will ship it to you with our bare hands. Yeah, it comes and you get signed and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice, but, uh, gotta get that signed stuff. Yes, yeah, so we will wear gloves and I will make sure that the hot rod yellow comes along with it. I make no promises because they're all going to come covered in cat dander. <laughs> oh, 
but uh, generally, I think um, I think our final order cutoff is somewhere in the beginning of September. So anytime in the month of August, you're going to get a copy coming straight to your comic book shop near you. Let or, just order, or order through Comixology, because I'll tell you what, Jupiter Jet Volume 1 is very popular on Comixology. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to tell you guys, um, Ashley and I had a big, long discussion about my comic book collection. Was it like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Ashley? It was a yeah. while ago. We had a big, long discussion about my comic book collection. And let's just say there's a reason why there are affiliate links to Comixology over at the Majorspoilers.com website right now. Uh, if you want to buy that Jupiter Jet comic uh, through Comixology, just click on that top link up there at the top. Whatever you order, a little bit comes back our way. And I think it's actually less than what we would get through Amazon. Uh, but uh, Comixology stepped up and said, hey, do you guys want an affiliate link? And so you'll see those links on there. But if, yeah, if you want to buy Jupiter Jet through that, I foresee, even though in 2019, uh, digital comic sales dropped uh, by about $10 million from $100 million down to $90 million, uh, there are a lot of people who are starting to make the complete switch to digital comics. And I think part of that has to do with the pandemic and not being able to get to their stores. Uh, but uh, maybe it's also having to do with room and a lot more storage space on your iPads and your your other mobile devices, your Kindles. Uh, so uh, I'm kind of a big fan of Comixology right now. So. Go check that out. Uh, for people that don't even know what the heck a Jupiter Jet is, Ashley, what the heck is a Jupiter Jet? Jupiter Jet is the superhero secret identity of Jackie Johnson, who in volume two is now a 17-year-old girl who fights the, you know, robs from the rich, gives to the poor, like all teenagers do. I'm trying not to spoil volume one, but it's been out for years and uh, so she is protecting her colony on Europa, and this adventure takes her to the stars. So we used to say that Jupiter Jet was Kim Possible meets the Rocketeer, but now it's going a little more Kim Possible meets Men in Black. Ooh, sounds really good. And if you yeah. want more, you can find out more at Majorspoilers.com, including a nice little interview and a bunch of preview images uh, that you can check out. I really love the art. Uh, in this series that you have uh who, who's your artist on this uh the artist is the same artist from volume one that is mr ben matsuya very good it's very cool art uh definitely worth uh checking out uh for the uh for the site and uh also to go and buy this book so got what are you guys waiting for uh ringo nominated jupiter yeah. jet man Rush right out of the body all crazy. i know all i know hmm you guys know have you guys, hmm, have you guys tried to, and I don't want to give too much away. This may be too much inside baseball for our normal listeners, but have <laughs> you guys reached out to Tom Merritt and his wife who happens uh, to work for a major streaming company? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I, might... I, I will say that, that, that Netflix has seen Jupiter Jet. That's okay. all I will say. All right. Okay. Because, man, Netflix, what are you sitting on? And you know who would be the perfect voice for Jupiter Jet? Ashley Victoria Robinson. Yeah. I mean, she's going to say Telly Savalas. She can play well. He, I mean, he's dead, so that'd be really Kevin hard. Michael Richardson. I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> Ashley why. Victoria Robinson can play anywhere from a 14-year-old to a 35-year-old. Uh, she's that talented of, of an actress. And so, Hollywood, if you, are, if you are not picking up your phones and calling uh, Ashley's agent right now, you're missing out. There Please call Studio Talent Group at Santa Monica. They're nice. <laughs> Let's hear your Catherine Hepburn. Give me, give me an old lady. Oh, I, I truly, fully cannot do impressions. <laughs> That's Jason's bag. <laughs> Jason, let's hear All right, your Catherine Jason, Hepburn. Do a Catherine Hepburn. Give us Catherine Hepburn. 
Oh, we gotta go down the river to <laughs> Africa. <laughs> the, the loons, Henry, can't you uh, hear the loons? This boat is quite shaky, don't you think? <laughs> somebody was, uh, somebody had saying, oh man, uh, you were saying, Jason, that you remember back in 2008 when you were delivering paint. Uh, yeah. Someone mentioned on Twitter, I still remember when Jason used to do those YouTube videos for major spoilers. I know, and they brought up uh, the crazy thing about those Jason Talks uh, comics videos. I forgot my old intro was always, when I would promote Major Spoilers, I'd be like, oh, go to MajorSpoilers.com, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, enough of this jibba-jabba, let's talk about comics. Yeah, and yeah, I'd yeah. completely forgotten about that yeah. until Twitter told me. There you go. Yeah. Weird things that you remember uh, remember or forget in 15 years worth of of uh, your life. Remember, people people hear our content years after we've made it. That's the best part when people are like, you remember when you made this joke? And I'm like, I absolutely do not. <laughs> Thank you. Drive through. Yep. Hey, let's do some, <laughs> let's do some news really quick. Uh, so this week uh, we can talk about the comic sales in 2019. We're great. Uh, we could also talk about Comic-Con being online this week, or we could talk about Star Wars and the bad batch announcement. Let's spin that wheel of destiny. Let's see where it ends. Oh, probably not surprising that they spent, what, three, four episodes of the final season of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, to uh, to introduce us to the Bad Batch. And sure enough, Lucasfilm has an ad announced that Star Wars, The Bad Batch, an all-new animated series, will debut on Disney Plus in 2021. Ashley, you're a big fan of The Bad Batch. I am. It is uh, one of the only storylines I liked from the last season of Clone Wars. Oh, you didn't like the, uh, you didn't like the uh, Osaka, I always mess up her name, Ahsoka, <laughs> Ahsoka. Osaka. Uh, <laughs> you know Osaka. Yeah, you know Osaka and her, uh, her friend, uh, Shira, and uh My, and, my and, and ear tuned it to Osaka. I'm sorry. And I was like, whoa, Steven does not like yeah, that you character. Didn't, you didn't like the, the, the Ahsoka uh, final arc? Because to me, no, honestly, I, I thought that that I, was going to spin out into announcing her own spinoff series. I, I liked it when she fought, when she did something, where she fought right, Darth right. Maul. I didn't yeah, like yeah. the mechanic girls. Uh, I, anyway, no, I didn't like it. So <laughs> who are the Bad Batch and why do we care? Uh, you care because it's Star Wars and you're a slave to this brand that you oh, think defines you as a geek, but it's actually one of the most popular franchises of the last century. The magic of Disney! <laughs> and, uh, the Bad Batch is a group of clones that, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're the mutants of this universe. So they, something went funny in their cloning process, so they have a very particular set of skills um, and physical distinctions that make them visually striking compared to the rest of the clones. And so the Republic said, you know what we're going to do to you? We're going to other you. You're going to be weirdos together. And we met them uh, in the first arc of this final season, which was very shocking and didn't really feel like a Clone Wars mm -hmm. type story. Because like the uh, like the storyline that failed to progress Ahsoka past the last time we saw her, it was recycled from an old pitch in a video game. Yep, there you go. Uh, Matthew, are you familiar with The Bad Batch? Did you watch the final season of The, the Clone Wars to, to get introduced to, what is it, five characters, four or five characters? Five, yeah. There's, there's Wrecker, Hunter, Tech, Crosshair, and Echo. Now, here's the thing. Never seen an episode of The Clone Wars. Do not necessarily go that deep into Star Wars. However... Uh, I have a particular set of skills myself, and one of the things that I do is occasionally play games with characters who might have names that are interesting names. So if you're looking for 10 things, 10 Star Wars characters, uh, you might accidentally bump into the Bad Batch. So I'm actually familiar with them, and I kind of want to see this show based on the pitch of 
they're basically mutants in the Star Wars universe. They're these weirdos off, you know, kind of having dirty dozen X-Men things. I'd love to see that. Uh, my question is going to be, is it going to be like the fully computer animated hatchet face? Oh yeah. They're, they're going to definitely, Wars, or? they're definitely keeping that same animated style. Look, that look. Yeah. 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 I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that particular aesthetic. It grows on you, but I mean, well, yeah, so do warts. I mean, this is the thing. Oh, I mean, you can have a lot friendly of conversations with them. You're kind of mean to your warts, man. Here's the thing. Steven loves I you, can, warts and all. <laughs> I can watch a show whose aesthetic I am not 100% into. Uh, I can love a show whose aesthetic I'm not 100% into, uh, like Steven Universe. So uh, if you can give me something that is engaging enough, interesting enough, character driven enough, and you know something that's got the deep sort of feelings, you know, I, I look at this and I think, are we cashing in on the Mandalorian a little bit? Possibly just looking at the picture of, you know, clone force 99 that I'm seeing. I'm like, I'm not saying that they're doing it, but I can't not say that either. And I love the Mandalorian. So if you can, you know, take that sort of, that sort of ethos, that sort of expectation and put it into something in a star Wars universe that isn't, you know, once again, Hey, here's a member of the, the Skywalker family. I'm down. I mean, I, I'm definitely interested in this. Jason, are, did you watch uh, Clone Wars with with Ashley, or did you miss out I, on all the Bad Batch? I did, and I kind of agree with her that I thought the best the Bad Batch arc was the best arc of the final season. And to me, I'm excited for this show because that's what I saw those three episodes as, or maybe four, I'm not certain, that it really seemed like it was a spinoff pitch, or like, oh, the here's the rough pilot. pilot. Yes, yeah, backdoor yeah. pilot, that was the words. Especially when it ends where it's like, hey, uh, Rex, you need to, no, was it, it was Rex? I forget who. They were just like, hey, you got all messed up in that, uh, in that. Uh, Echo. Yeah, Echo, you got all messed up with that uh, being kidnapped and all. Why don't you go with these weirdos and go have an adventure with them? And I was well, like, yeah, me, this feels like a a, a a pilot. Yeah. For me, one of my favorite parts, one of the parts that I like about the prequels is I actually have always liked the clone troopers. I think their look is really awesome. I think it's like a nice twist of the Ralph McQuarrie original design. Mm -hmm. So any show that's like more stormtroopers, I'm in. Yeah. Rodrigo, what about you? Are you uh, down for some Bad Batch action? Did you watch much of the Clone Wars? I didn't really watch almost any of it. Um Partially because I also didn't like the the animation style or, mm. or the you know the aesthetic, but um, I think that uh, you know there used to be this thing called the expanded universe, and uh, in other media they explored things like uh, what if we did the Magnificent Seven but with Star Wars, and also what if there was like a heist but with Star Wars, and the Mandalorian really kind of cleaned up that idea and showed it to the mainstream Star Wars audience and I was like, guess what? We can do more than just uh, Anakin and his descendants uh, in Star Wars and you know, people are really starting to warm up to that idea. So I'm very interested with a you know, kind of you know, a uh, group of misfits having adventures in Star Wars is, you know, exactly what you'd want to happen in the setting. Yeah. Now, I don't know. They say coming in 2021, uh, they also said they, meaning the industry has also said that we were going to get Tenet uh, like next week. Uh, but now Tenet has been delayed indefinitely. The studios are not sending that to the movie theaters and for, you know, 2021, 2022, who knows when it's going to come out. Uh, I wonder if their 2021 date is uh, aggressive, hopeful thinking, or 
if this is something that animators are working on at home or, you know, there are other countries in uh, Korea uh, and other places where they do a lot of animation overseas that maybe are not as in lockdown as we are here. So I wonder if if that's hopeful thinking or if they are well into production of this. I have a feeling they're well into production on this because generally, uh, I mean, in animation or even live action, you're you're not going to make an announcement unless you the show is actually in active production because you know you don't want to tease the audience about something that you'll never give them. Mm-hmm. So to be honest with you, I would it would not surprise me at all if this show is like somewhere at the like the fifty percent mark of their first season. As far as the script or as far as they've actually done animation and everything? As far of, as everything. It, uh-huh. wouldn't, it would not surprise me because that's the one thing I've heard around town out here in Los Angeles is that animation is like the only thing that's still going now. Mm, okay. Well, I know yeah. that. I know that Mandalorian, the second season, I think they got everything shot before uh, they had to go into shutdown. They and did. so everything would be in post-production at this point. And there may be people that are able to work from home at that. I know that they've done some work with Obi-Wan before, uh, before it had to shut down. Uh, but I don't know where they are in production of that. So maybe, maybe they are, you know, all the way through halfway through, uh, this series. And that'll definitely give Disney plus something to look forward to in the fall as everything else is kind of on a standstill, including the opening of the parks. Uh, did they, did they shut down the parks yet? Do you know, or are they still open for business? I think Disney World's still open, right? Oh man! Last I heard, it was yeah. Oh man! Anyway, they were they were they were like you know hyping it up. Hey, let me give you guys a real quick heads up on what we're doing for San Diego Comic Con this year because everything is streaming online. I'm going to, and you can find you know the complete listing over at the uh, Comic Con International website of stuff that you can jump into and watch and when they are. I'm going to pull some select what I think are going to be some really good ones that you guys will want to watch. And I'm going to post the YouTube links over at the Majorspoilers.com website that you can just jump into and watch. So it'll be kind of like a curated uh, YouTube watch list that will appear on the site throughout the next couple of days. It's not going to have everything because, believe me, uh, Comic-Con International is basically running their full show. I think they've only got about a dozen cancellations on everything. Um, So there's no way that I'm putting up, you know, 45 to 50 or more. Uh, YouTube links in a day. You can go get that yourself. But, uh, you know, I'll put up some select Marvel content. I will put up some select, uh, you know, uh, you know, comic book publishing content, a few TV stuff as well. Uh, But um, but uh, but yeah, I'll have those up throughout the week. But if you would like to comment on any of these things, I want you to head over to the Major Spoilers Discord channel and check it out there and do all your talking there. If you'd like to share any other information or thoughts about what we've talked about today, certainly do it over at our Discord channel. Jason, I know you have to bounce uh, because you're a busy person doing busy things. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with anybody before you're before you are out of here? Uh, no, just, uh, thanks again for having me on the show. Uh, you can always listen to Geek History Lesson, which is also on the Major Spoilers podcast feed and Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio. Tell your comic book shops. Yeah. And, and don't forget, I, I did say we we're going to have Jason back. He's going to come back in a couple of weeks because in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about House of X and Powers of X on two different shows back to back. Jason's going to shit. Uh, no, sorry. I, He's going I mean, to, I won't, I won't, he might, I won't do that. I won't do he that. He might, he is going to sit in. <laughs> Gosh, he is going to sit Someone's in. Someone's going to have to edit that out later. <laughs> nah, I'm just going to leave all the giggles in there for everybody. Uh, but Jason will be back for the full episodes of that coming up in a couple of weeks as we talk about those shows. So, Jason, thank yes. you for stopping in. Congratulations on that Hollywood Reporter article. 
and we will be talking with you again real soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. And actually, I don't mean to, uh, to uh, dismiss you, but also big congratulations to you for being awesome with the Hollywood Reporter stuff. Uh, I know you've got to be super proud about that. Hey man, Jason facilitated all of that, so he truly deserves all of the uh, <laughs> all the credit. Well, I, I know that uh, you guys have done a wonderful job with Jupiter Jet. Can't wait to read the the new volume, and I know everyone else can't wait either. So there you go. Uh, let us jump into some reviews really quick. We'll do some quick reviews so we can get into our trade this week uh, because we spent a lot of time in that front end. Uh, let us start with what came out. Oh, I guess uh, most of the stuff is out this week. I'm going to start off with Strange Adventures number three from DC Comics. This is the Tom King, Mitch Gerards, and, and Doc Shaner uh, piece that uh, looks at whether Adam Strange is telling the truth. Something has happened in Adam Strange's past. He's got a new biography out and he's passing it around and it looks all hunky-dory and everything is great. But somebody accuses him of lying in the uh, like the first issue and now he has gone to batman to say hey batman can you really investigate what people are saying that i'm a liar because i don't think i'm a liar you know and batman's like no um i'm too busy so how about mr terrific comes and does he's the smartest man on the planet uh how about he comes and does this entire investigation looking into your past and that's what issue three is about i'm not really sure what the point of the story is yet because I, this is a 12 issue series so it's got a long ways to go in, in pulling away the layers of what is truth and what is not truth. What is fascinating about the Strange Adventure story is that we are presented the Mitch G uh, Gerard's um, um, art as the present day stuff, the stuff that's happening in the real time. And everything has this kind of gritty look to it, uh, harsher edges, a little bit more hash, uh, hashing on the lines and the inking. Uh, and that is to give us a look at what's happening in the real world. Then when we are told about these fantastic stories that Adam Strange had on on Ran, uh, then we look at the Doc Shaner, rounder, more pretty art. Uh, and so I, we really get a very interesting mix of the art in this issue. I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say that Mr. Terrific thinks that something smells weird and it's all going to be focusing on uh, Strange's daughter. What happened to the daughter? Is she alive? Is she dead? We're going to find out as this series progresses. We're going to find out what is true, what is not true. I've, I'm not really sure where this is going. I can't really tell you whether I love this or not. I have read all of the uh, issues to date, uh, and I plan on continuing to read this because I am kind of intrigued. But I, I can't say that this is fantastic rush out and buy comics. But I definitely think that it's three slices of meatloaf worth of comics. Uh, and so I would say if you want to go check it out and you you are, I don't know if I would say if you're a fan of Adam Strange, rush out and buy this. But I think this is an interesting storytelling that I want to see where it goes. And it's certainly playing with characters that are not your big three. Adam Strange is, you know, a D-list character, maybe, uh, maybe lower, who knows. Uh, but, uh, he's certainly not a character that's in front of everybody. And so being able to mess around a little bit into, into the sandbox is maybe a little bit different than, uh, Tom King doing Batman, for example. Uh, so this might be something for people to take a peek at it's strange adventures. Number three, it's out this week. It's out today. In fact, as of this recording from DC comics, Adam strange is an nth list character. Oh, waka waka. That's really good. That's a really good, uh, that's a really good one. I know. It was so good that it broke my microphone. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of comics that are coming out this week, Rodrigo, how about, or I'm sorry, uh, Strange Adventures came out last week from DC Comics, also out last week, a big milestone issue, uh, Matthew, 
uh, from Image Comics, Savage Dragon number 250. I got my yes. weeks all messed up. So these are two comics that came out last week. Savage Dragon number 250, the 250th issue of Eric Larson's ongoing, um, I'm going to say maybe epic, pièce de résistance, whatever you want to call it, big comic that's been going on for a very, very long time. And here's the thing that I think is both wonderful and infuriating about this comic. The big 250th issue extravaganza starts with Malcolm crushing a bug and having to clean it up. And then we see them running about the house. And then we see Malcolm talking to his editors on a Zoom call. And they're like, so what What big adventures are you having for Savage Dragon number 250? Because in-universe, they're creating a comic of his adventures. And he's like, nothing. We're sheltering at home. This is a comic about sheltering at home under COVID-19. So the first 25 pages of this book are Malcolm and his wife and their children at home, calling their friends and family, checking in, making sure that everybody's okay, just sort of hanging out, doing stuff. It's a Savage Dragon book, so they're having sex. Um, And there's a point where villains suddenly attack, and the villains are in the house, and Maxine is freaking out because these villains might be bringing some sort of terrible infection into the house. And literally four people get murdered in their bedroom, but the focus is on whether or not they were breathing any sort of infection. It's a really, it's uncomfortable on a number of levels, but it's actually really kind of fascinating. And it underlines my, my love-hate relationship with Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon is like real life where you get up and it's Thursday and you have to go and do a bunch of stuff. And occasionally something fascinating and wonderful happens, but most of the time it's just Thursday. And most of this big anniversary issue is just Thursday until we get to the last page of the first story where spoilers, somebody shows up. It was a person who was in the very first issue of Savage Dragon back in 93. That person shows up on their doorstep. Mm -hmm. Is it Savage Dragon? It is Savage Dragon. There you go, see? See? Dragon shows up on his son's doorstep. The rest of the book is likewise just this thing, these stories that happen. Flash Mercury has a burrito, and he's very disappointed that all of the innards fall out of his burrito. And Kill Cat uh, is an idiot. And, you know, it's this ongoing stuff where you see these masked, four masked turtles, one red, one purple, one green, and one orange. And they're getting into a fight with a guy who has a chicken head. But the whole conversation is about whether or not your burrito from a particular burrito place falling apart is worth complaining to the manager about. It's a, uh, it's, (laughs) I don't even know how to explain this issue. I mean, I liked it, but it also made my teeth itch. And it's an example of, of Savage Dragon being, I think, the last of the old school Marvel Issue by issue, backburner plots, everything's moving around. We're stacking all of these block Stan Lee-style storytelling. Three and a half slices of meatloaf for what we get. Uh, If you're squeamish about overt sex, do not read Savage Dragon. If you're squeamish about horrifying violence, do not read Savage Dragon. Uh, If you look at Marvel Comics of the 70s and see nothing but a wall of text, uh, if you're listening, Zach, hey, we miss you. Do not read Savage Dragon, but otherwise, this book is a remarkable achievement. It is a creator doing something that I didn't think was possible, making an entire issue out of the real-world 
focus of being stuck in your house all day and having it actually be interesting a lot of the time. So, uh, it's, it's a weird anniversary, but Savage Dragon is a weird book. All right. That was out last week from image comics. Uh, Ashley, I have been watching the Perry Mason show on, uh, HBO max or whatever it's called. I love it so much. It is so, so good. But, you know, the problem is it's not something that I can just binge all the way through because they're releasing the episodes uh, week after week. And Mm -hmm. I get to the point where, man, I kind of want to watch something else. And scrolling across the top is uh, the documentary based on the book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark uh, from Michelle McNamara. Uh, Now, tell me what, you know, how well does this translate? I mean, this is a documentary about the book and what Michelle was doing, or is this a adaptation of the book what's going on with this documentary series tell me if i should be watching it or not so a little from column a and a little from column b i read true crime diary when michelle was writing on that website i read i'll be gone in the dark after it was published i listened to the i'll be gone in the dark podcast and now i am listening to the i'll be gone in the dark or i'm watching the i'll be gone in the dark hbo series it is a dueling narrative dealing with um the what we are who are now calling the Golden State Killer uh, used to be referred to by the acronym Eurons, which stands for a lot of ugly things. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, and Michelle's journey to solve that case, which, by the way, she did. Uh, spoiler alert for news that broke years ago. Uh, yeah. He was caught. Uh, California was one of California's most prolific and deadliest uh, bad guys because of her, uh, you know, personal sleuthing uh, outside of the justice system. Uh, and also, if people aren't aware, Michelle McNamara very tragically passed away uh, right before the book came out. And she happened to be married to Patton Oswalt and so was something of a public figure herself. So it is also the narrative of who she was and what she brought to the medium and what sets her apart from a lot of other people who were doing the same thing and a lot of other outlets Uh, that are doing the same thing as well. And Patton Oswalt appears fairly regularly across the series. Karen Kilgariff um, is also involved in a lot of it. And what I really like about this series, like I've talked about a couple other true crime things on Major Spoilers before, because I think the Venn diagram of nerds for comics and nerds for true crime has a lot of crossover, the same way that comic nerds and wrestling nerds do. What I think is so special about this and what I think sets it aside is even though it is focused around solving a case and putting a name to uh, these horrible events and these accusations, it really does an excellent job at highlighting and celebrating the lives of the people affected by it and examining how it changed Northern and Southern California culture at the time. So it's very deep. Whereas on the surface, it just seems like, you know, hashtag not another true crime doc. I think it is genre breaking and genre defining in a lot of ways. And I think we're going to see a lot of people chasing this for a long time. And even though if you are uh, a wild person like me and you've followed this at every incarnation and every step 
Uh, there is something about being able to see it and to see it laid out in this comprehensive way that I have found truly gripping and engaging. So all I'm watching on HBO right now is murder stuff. Yeah. There's the fictional murder stuff with uh, icons, uh, Matthew Reese and Shea Wiggum, who's a real mood on that show as mm-hmm. uh, Perry's investigative partner. And then there's this real life counterpart to it. And I haven't seen as many people uh, talking about I'll Be Gone in the Dark. So I wanted to shout it out here. There's four episodes out so far, four of six, I believe. Uh, and if it sticks the landing, I'll probably come back to the show and sort of resummarize my thoughts on it. But I watched one of them at night and then I had to say, I got to watch <laughs> this during the day because, yeah. you know, eh, fact is scarier than fiction. And the dark is still the dark, but yeah. I'm I'm really really enjoying it. Five out of five, um, horrible mangled slices of meatloaf. Yeah, and I can't remember. She was investigating uh, everything. She was almost done with the book, right? And then she passed away. Yeah. yeah. And the Golden State Killer had not been caught yet, right? So they actually caught the Golden State Killer after her death, right? Because yeah, of what she was doing in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like it's so cool and it's so gratifying, but. Uh, on top of the tragedy of her premature death and how it affected her husband and she had a, ch- a young daughter. Mm-hmm. It's also like she never got to see in so many ways the culmination of all that work. Yeah, I remember when all that was when all that came out. So it's good to see this. And it, it keeps scrolling yeah. across the top. So now I know, OK, time to sit down and start watching this. So I have a second show to watch on the HBO Max. Yeah, although unlike Perry Mason, uh, no babies are harmed. Oh, in the my making goodness. Of this. <laughs> that Perry Mason. My goodness, oh, what an what an so interesting good. show. What an interesting show if people are not watching that. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that again uh, in the future. Uh, I did a Finally Friday a couple of weeks ago. This is set at P- Perry Mason is set in L.A. I did a Finally Friday a couple of weeks ago about uh, detective shows through the decade or detective movies through the decades set in Los Angeles specifically. And I uh, was able to come up with a list. But Perry Mason, uh, I think, is the reason why that kicked off. So um, go check that out as well. Okay, finally, a comic that comes out this week from uh, Dynamite Entertainment, The Green Hornet, number one, yet another Green Hornet uh, comic book. Rodrigo, what do you what do you got here with The Green Hornet? Uh, Green Hornet, number one, um, Scott Lobdell, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a name that you hear in comics. And so this is like a new, kickstarting a new Green Hornet series. Um, and it is, uh, it's okay. So here's the most interesting thing about this Green Hornet series. The most interesting thing about it is actually the art and it's an art choice, which is that it kind of has this, um, noir by way of Sunday comics, um, look and the only colors that it uses are black white and green so black lines black silhouettes black um outlines white negative space anything that has any other color usually shadows on people's faces is green and it is a strong choice for the green hornet um it makes sense um i don't know how you can tell that the green hornet is green if everything's green but haha anyway moving on um, when you make an art choice like this, it does a lot of things for you. It immediately creates a very um, striking and unique way 
for your comic, but also creates a lot of problems. And you have to be able to solve those problems. And I don't know that this book solves all of them. One prime example is the combination of not having any other colors and the art style being this like very kind of, um, like I said, sort of like your Rex Morgan, like Batman the Animated Series kind of look is that a lot of the characters look similar. And if you don't have colors to tell them apart, it's hard to tell them apart. There is a there is a page, I believe it's page 14, I'm looking at the panel right now, this lady hands um, Brit, uh, aka the Green Hornet, a dossier. He looks at it, and on it is clipped up the, the picture of a woman that they're talking about. And she looks identical to the woman that just handed him the dossier. Like, if you look at it, if, and because the lady's in the very next panel, it's like her lips are a different color, but her hair is very similar. And because there's no color, you can't tell. Like, maybe she's a redhead, maybe she's a brunette, but here you can't. You know, there's like, there's going to be little issues like that that you just have to have to tackle in some creative way. And I, you know, this, again, this book greatly benefits from such a bold art choice, but also is going to run into issues like this. Um, the book starts out in, uh, in a like, how did I get here kind of situation? And by the end, you understand how they got there and ends in a pretty wacky cliffhanger, which you know makes me interested to see the next thing. Although big asterisk, um, I'm interested to see the next thing as long as Dynamite kind of backtracks maybe further from where they've already backtracked as to whether they're going to continue working with comic skate people, right? Yeah. That's that's an important thing and that's I uh, I I've had I've had a rough couple of weeks as per not even being able to record last week. I had already called this comic before I knew that any of that stuff was happening. I really considered not doing it, but I kind of had to. Um, and again, Dynamite is already uh, has put out a statement that seems like they are at least on their way to 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 distancing themselves. So hopefully they'll do that. Hopefully I can read my next issue of the new Green Hornet uh, without any any similar qualms. Uh, I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. Um, again, striking art style, some little idiosyncrasies to it, um, and I'm I'm interested to see how the the world of the Green Hornet deals with this stuff that they're introducing here. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Dynamite Entertainment, I've got some more stuff to talk about Dynamite Entertainment this weekend on the VIP live stream. That'll happen one o'clock p.m. Central Time for all of our VIP and Patreon Gold level members. So if you want to get in on that, you can sign up today and be part of that live stream discussion. Uh, I'll be talking about Dynamite Entertainment. Uh, Ashley and Jason and I had a conversation about this uh, several several weeks ago before all of this went down yes. and blew up. Uh, I'll also be talking about Cards Against Humanity. Uh, we'll be talking about some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, also what's going on with Twitch, uh, and a lot more that'll happen uh, this weekend on the VIP live stream, 1 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers okay trade paperback this week uh we are jumping back into the world of cullen bunn and uh the sixth gun 
with Shadow Roads, The Crossroads. And I had forgotten, Matthew, that we said we were going to do another Sixth Gun series. And so I was pleasantly surprised when I opened this up and I said, oh, this is this is set in the world of of the Sixth Gun. I, I like this already. See, I didn't realize that until the last page of the last issue. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure if that was intentional or not, because, I mean, it feels like it's definitely of a piece. And there are characters where you're like, okay, this is this is similar. You can feel like Cullen's on a familiar turf here. But then, you know, one of the characters turns out to actually be someone we know from the mm-hmm. Six Gun, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of nice. But, yeah, I, I feel like we're definitely in the same sort of ballpark. But this is, this is sort of a, a wider ranging story. Well, the interesting thing about this, and I think uh, you're talking about Kalfu, right? As the, yeah. as the, well, Gord, yeah, Gord, um, as the character that we saw before. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is definitely post the world has been reset. Um, but there is a something slipping through the various worlds and dimensions, thanks to the mm-hmm. crossroad, which we did meet the, you know, the devil uh, at that one point uh, in Louisiana when in, when Gord was going through. And uh, apparently there are new portals that are opening up and there is something that's trying to chase uh, our new characters mm-hmm. down and kill them and try to steal their their magical, magical essences. And it turns into a again, for those of you who have not read Sixth Gun, it may be a little confusing uh, for those of you that are not into weird Western stuff. You may not be into this. But I found this uh, magical monster tr- trying to chase down our heroes, Ashley, uh, somewhat compelling. No, oh, Yeah, I totally dug this because this uh, is the cornerstone of a bunch of stuff that I like. I thought for a minute, especially because we've been so deep in Harrow County, uh, mm-hmm. which this actually feels a little more like Harrow County to me. And that just might be again, because that's what we've been chatting about. I was like, do I want to go back to Sixth Gun? You know, because, I mean, I liked doing Sixth Gun last Mm -hmm. year, but uh, it's very different. But I, look, if if all Colin Bunn wants to do is weird one-offs with kaiju in them, I'm not not here for it. I really (laughs) enjoyed this. And I thought, too, because I didn't realize until I opened it and said, ah, cowboys. Uh, I did not realize that this was like full six gun when it came across our roster. But I think a nice addendum to um, having read the whole series last year. Yeah. And also, this is like the first part. I mean, we do get a complete story in here where our team has been assembled and they take down the quote unquote bad, the bad person. Uh, but then there's this this opening at the end that's just like, oh, no, these adventures are going to continue. We have to continue to stop uh, what's going on. And I think there's going to probably be some more of this uh, is my guess. Uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of down for for checking that out as well. Uh, of course, the art is Brian Hurt, uh, who was part of the Six Gun. So the art, I, I think, is really, really good. Um, and I think that they set up conflict really well, even though we don't know really anything about these characters before the shooting starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm really uh, interested, Rodrigo, on your take on the big bad that is, what is it, Mesoamerican uh, yeah, bad yeah. guy? I mean, that's fine. Uh, the so So two things about this uh, is that, you know, uh, Colin Bunn stuff tends to be pretty well researched. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the most important thing is that, and and the at least the bare minimum is that if you're going to have uh, a 
creepy Aztec or, or Mayan um, antagonist that you also give us an Aztec or Mayan protagonist. And he does. Uh, the um, little girl with the guns, I forget her name, she grows up in the same village mm-hmm. as this guy. Um, you know, she's half white, but if we're going to yell at people for being mestizos, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this show? Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was down for it. I think that the, uh, an interesting thing about wild West type stuff is that it frequently crosses into what is modern day Mexico and what mm-hmm. was at that point, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it's like uh, Wild West stuff is the last time that like Mexico was relevant to U.S. fiction, right? right. It's like after the Wild West, Mexico just disappears um, until uh, the uh, until uh, Jimmy Carter starts trying to like kick out <laughs> undocumented immigrants, right? Um, and and the drug wars. So it's actually nice to recognize that. It's actually nice to have that. It's actually nice that they actually bounce all over the world. And we see a lot more of the world that I feel mm-hmm. we ever saw in The Six Gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they gather a bunch of characters from lots of different places. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want, I was just curious because, you know, especially in this political climate, um, you know, I don't know if it, you know, it felt really kind of weird. It's like, oh, here's our here's our bad person coming from from Mexico and whether that is something that is uh, reinforces bad stereotypes going on in media right now. I mean, I would say uh, you can make an argument for it because it's like a, like a spooky Mm -hmm. um, native mystic. Right. right? Um, But again, you have literally one of our, one of our main characters is like right there when this happens. Mm hmm. Um, she's from the same place, so you have this thing that is like, okay, well, clearly not everybody, um, not everybody that comes from this town is a spooky mystic, right? Right. right. So, did you like this story then? Uh, I did. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I think um, Wild West stuff kind of tends to walk that line because you want those tropes, those like tasty wild west tropes mm-hmm. um of like cowboys and and native american mysticism and whatever weird stuff was going on in Appalachia, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and all that stuff is good, but also it's like real stuff that actually did happen and so it's I I feel that six gun by virtue of its setting and seeing being like this is like an alternate weird mystical version of all this stuff it's not all quite the same really manages to dance around some of the more unsavory stuff that are baked into the genre Mm -hmm. of the wild west yeah um so generally i did enjoy it and uh most of the stuff that uh could be problematic is either directly addressed or um or you're given enough of a sort of normalizing background on it that you're like okay so this isn't like by itself this single point of information could be seen as stereotypical or problematic Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. 
he spends he spends time basically cleaning it up, making it work, and just because of that, it's at least you're at least able to move past it, if not actually just accept it. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. I I really they, enjoy, go ahead, Matthew. They actually address some of it head on in a way that I appreciate because one I think the very first scene yeah. is uh, the the scene where Henry, who's a Native American raised in England, is face to face with a museum based on the stereotypical noble mm-hmm. savage tropes mm-hmm. and yeah. throughout that whole sequence it's it's very uncomfortable on his behalf but it's also something where you still see some of these nonsensical things in modern fiction i mean you see them in in uh, they make me watch walker texas ranger at work you see them in modern tropes and mm-hmm. i feel like bun is willing to walk up to those and go okay guys this is what we've been doing, and I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not going to say it's bad, but I am going to tell you that's not what's happening in this book. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I re- I really like that take on some of these things. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the story. I, I when I started getting into it at first, I was like, huh, I don't know about this because this is radically different than hey, there are six guns, each one with a different power. Let's uh, see very, if Stephen can very rem- much. Yeah, let's see if Stephen can remember each of these. So <laughs> when I got into it, I was like, okay. Um, this feels radically different until you realize, no, this is a different world. This is a new world that has been created. And so rules are different. Things are different, but there is a through line that carries over from the past incarnation of this world. Uh, what are these evils and how are our heroes going to deal with it? And so by the end, I was very pleased and very happy with, uh, what I got in this. And I think the art as usual just really stands out and and is beautiful. Matthew, did you, did you enjoy this book? No, um, actually, I didn't. And How come? Part of the reason I didn't, I think, is because we've been so deep in the Sixth Gun and uh, Haro County. Uh, this is a much broader take, a much broader story. And by the time we get to you know issue five, there are like nine characters. Yeah, there's a lot of characters. Track up. Yeah, because there are nine characters, and then it's over. Right, yeah. and that's that's kind of the thing is. I appreciate what they're doing because what this actually, these five issues do is kind of, uh, this is the assembling the D and D party portion of the story. So you have to tell us this is, this is why Henry has this mystical thing. And this is why Isabella and ghost eyes are after the hunter. And this is why uh, that creepy red main girl from the six gun keeps popping up. And this is why, yes, that is in fact the guy that you think that is, but when we finally get to the big shootout with the the mystical monster at the end, there are literally a dozen people there. And I say this as a fan of the Legion of Superheroes, sometimes too much is still too much. And I feel like this is a lot of good things. And I feel like this is, you know, a, a peanut butter and banana sandwich with hot dogs on a Twinkie bun with mustard. All of those things are great. I don't necessarily know that I need them all together. And that doesn't even necessarily make it bad. I just feel like I didn't enjoy it as much as the sixth gun there, because the sixth gun was, a, a, I think, a clearer and more focused, not in a bad way, but intentionally focused on fewer characters' narrative. I, well, I wonder, I wonder, because and, when you think back to that first volume, there's a lot of people that show up 
in that in that first volume uh yes. where we're introduced to Becky and the and the main guy and uh Gord and the um Clayman and yeah and all the and all the soldiers and same way uh, with the end of the first volume of, of Six Gun they all come together at that hole with the uh, with the bad yeah. guy and they have a major battle it it's very very similar i think I, i'm curious and i'm not saying that this is what's going on with you Matthew but i'm wondering if because we had 500 volumes of the sixth <laughs> gun to to read through, we then were able to start to dive in and develop those characters and learn a little bit about those characters and and single out certain characters here and there to 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 step forward. I wonder if that's not the same thing that's happening here with Shadow Roads, where we're throwing you a bunch of people at the at the start, but then in volume two, we're going to start bringing out uh, the characters and starting to focus on them specifically and not too worried about the guy who's who's making a, a tea in, in Redmayne's a, a house. Um, so I, I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on here. I think it's a valid point to make because honestly, when we do, you know, we read 157 volumes of the sixth gun. Mm-hmm. Loved and every at one that of them. point, well, at, at that point of the story that your mind kind of abstracts those larger points into mm-hmm. one or bigger narrative mm-hmm. and you know it's it's easier to to think about that in retrospect having uh metaphorically speaking the whole map and right. knowing okay this is kind of where that was whereas this really does feel like the scene in jumanji where the rock can't read the map but jack black can but jack black can only read the portions of it that they've already been in saw jumanji this week by the way and that can be disconcerting. And, you know, we've seen in the past, and I'm aware of the fact that I have a, a bad case of middle chapter-itis where I'll get, you know, if I'm in episode one, I'm great. If I'm in episode five, I'm great. Episode two, three, and four, I may be like, okay, you said all this in one, and I know we're going to five, and maybe, maybe I am kind of getting ahead of the narrative, but I didn't necessarily like or dislike it. Now, the thing that worked for me that really worked for me was the fact that whether it's just complete, you know, obtuseness on my part, I did not realize until the last page of this volume that this was part and parcel of the same world as the six gun. The point where Gord, you know, says, ain't that right, Abigail? I'm like, oh, 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 that's okay. My brain did not put all of that together until that moment. And I'm like, okay, now I kind of get it because it also does fill in some of the blanks of the world that we're in, even if it's, you know, a post remade reality that we're really successful. It's a really successful ending. I feel. Yeah. Ashley, did you have some thoughts that you wanted to follow up on from what we were just saying? Man, I don't know if I can say it better than Matthew, but I, I, I think maybe the reason that people might have a similar reaction is because like you pointed out uh, in terms of structure, it is very similar to the first volume of sixth gun. However, if you've already read the sixth gun, you know where that plot leads. And Mm -hmm. this is very much um, epilogue to that, right? Like the story's not necessary. Is it fun and interesting and compelling? Yes, because Cullen Bunn writes great comics. He's a master of the medium with incredible art and our incredible artistic team at his back. Uh, and, and I would I would wonder if other people who are 
uh, fans of Six Gun who read the full series through before reading Shadowlands would feel the same way. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. But I didn't feel that. And maybe it's because, uh, you know, in my Cullen Bunn fandom, like I am, I'm more of a, a Harrow County gal. Yeah. So uh, Six Gun for me is like a passing. It's a flight of fancy. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think the issue with this uh, with this volume is like, yes, when you look at um, when you look at the Six Gun first volume, yes, you are introduced uh, to a lot of characters, but they're not all protagonists they're not all the main characters right a lot of them are is like here's these characters they're an organization and we have that here as well um and sometimes we're like here's this very important character he's a bad guy and your brain puts that in a different place but it's like in in this one there are too many polygons just too many characters with too many cool haircuts that hmm. do different things, and you don't get enough of a moment to breathe after somebody does something cool. Is like the first time the magic dagger starts to glow. We are introduced to this like sharpshooter lady, and then we're in the shadows, in the shadow roads, and then we're off to the races. And then there's like a bunch of guys that show up, and then there's a bear man, and then there's a girl. Yeah, you um, get you another get sharpshooter a lot of girl. Stuff at once. Um, so it's like. Uh, you are just introduced to these characters too fast and you're not letting them breathe. And also because of that, it's like when you think about these five issues of a comic and we have read, you know, five issues of comics that are transformative, who changes over the course of this story? And the answer is nobody. Right. Um, Henry is given no, is it Henry? The, yes. Our first point of view character um, is given almost no information about his past uh none of the characters have a real change of heart other than you know what kid you're cool i'm gonna stick with you kind of stuff um as opposed to you know like any actual character growth there is no character growth in this and it shows it you feel it when you close this you're like oh that was gourd i miss gourd and that's (laughs) That's kind of what I felt at the end of this. It's like, it looks really good and the characters sure are cool, but it feels like, it feels like your very first time playing Overwatch and you see all these cool characters flashing around the screen and shooting at you. And you're like, but, 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 what's that guy's deal? And then it's over. Yeah. What They're assembling the seven magnificent samurai. Mm -hmm. So yes. And I think that's what this is. I think that. Because Ashley and I both mentioned that there are similarities between this volume and the first volume of Six Gun, I th- I don't want to say it's formulaic, uh, but I think that it feels like, okay, I've done this once before, here's how I like to set things up, but maybe I need to push it a little bit further so that we can not have to wait till volume three for this important character to show up because of that character showed up in volume one. So I, I do see that there's maybe a little bit of formula going on. I don't know if that is also a commentary on the nature of the resetting of the world that happens in the sixth gun, where you're going to continually run into a lot of these repeat things because in this world, things repeat a lot. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I did enjoy this. I thought it did run a lot faster than I was expecting. I mean, you, we blow through this story very quickly as both Matthew and Rodrigo have said. Um, but I am interested in reading the second volume. What about you, Matthew? Are you interested in reading volume two? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that's the thing about it. Even when when we're dealing with a creative team like this that I feel like we've come to know and trust a little bit, uh-huh. uh, Colin, Colin Bunn is an excellent writer, and Bunn and Hurt together have done some really, really excellent comics. Even if I didn't necessarily care for this arc, that doesn't mean I'm not coming back. Remember, I'm the guy who bought Neil Gaiman's Sandman number one and went, eh, too slow, and then didn't come back until later and then realized, man, I'm a dumbass. Yeah. What about you, Rodrigo? I still want to find out what that bear's deal is. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. What's yeah. the bear, dude? Uh, yeah, when he showed up, I was just like, oh, so this is one of the many big bads that they have to fight. And then it's like, no, I'm on your side. Let's let's bite this guy. Rawr, and I was I'm like, bear, oh, really? Like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it's like uh, they brought in a Tolkien character, and uh, we didn't even know that this was uh, high fantasy. Um so I don't know if Ashley dropped off really quick. Uh, she said that her computer shut down, probably one of those infamous uh, let's do an update right here in the middle of a show kind of things. Uh, but I don't know if she's going to be back before we wrap up here. So let us just uh, get some final thoughts uh, from you, Rodrigo. Um, this volume looks very good and it's fun to be back in this world, but um, it feels rushed. It just it it feels like here's all these cool characters. It's like it's like you buy all the action figures up front, and nobody tell like you, and you don't get to watch the show that they're all actually in. Is what this feels like. Mm-hmm. I I would say for me, if you're a fan of the Six Gun, this is probably really worth checking out. I do think you kind of need to know a little bit about the Six Gun before you jump into this uh, to kind of know what's going on in the world and the story. That being said, instead of rush out and buying Frenzy on this, I might say borrow this first. Or maybe wait until volume two is out and then see what our reactions to volume two is. Uh, because if by then we were like, oh, yeah, everything that was set up in volume one now starts to pay off in volume two, then you'll know it's OK to go and buy uh, that first volume. But definitely this is a, a, a borrow. Uh, check it out from your library kind of thing. Uh, but I still found it very enjoyable from from my point of view. Matthew. I think that the propulsiveness of this story is different than what we've seen in the six gun and that is a positive and negative and i feel like with that propulsiveness comes the you know the complaints that we have about all of these things happening all these characters all of this stuff moving towards one thing without necessarily uh slowing down and saying you know not even necessarily doing the the record scratch yep that's me here's how i got here kind of thing but giving us some of the in-depth stuff. And I feel like it is a conscious decision on the creator's part to do that, but it's a decision that, at least for me, affects the enjoyment of it. That said, I'm probably coming back for the second volume, even if we don't do it here on the show. All right. Uh, Well, uh, Ashley, it looks like she's not going to be able to make it back to the show, so we will just wrap things up right there uh, and uh, say thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback, so use the comments section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode, or you can send us an email, a podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support the show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Oh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, coming out to theaters, it's supposed to be the Morbius movie, the one that we've all been waiting for. Oh, wait, it's not coming out. <laughs> This is a problem. Again, the problem of trying to pre-program a show a year in advance and looking at the schedule and going, oh, the Morbius movie is going to come out. Uh, let's let's look at some Morbius vampire tales coming out next week. So it coincides with the movie. But 
Well, there's no movie, but we'll still be talking about Vampire Tales, Volume 1, 1973 to 1975 on the next week's Major Spoilers podcast. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your things and you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. Spider-Man's a clone Stop spending all our cash On back issues of the Flash Or I swear to God You're gonna spend your twilight years alone This podcast is copyright 2020 By Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC